Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Billy Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we'd go Billy Up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Coming up on the Behind the Mic Podcast, I absolutely love NFL stories, and those from the Super Bowl are among the best. After picking six of my favorites, I've learned a couple of things over the years. Security needs to tighten up in the locker room, and you could almost win MVP with a hangover. You're behind the mic with Michael Neal Jr. My God, what are we going to do? There's going to be no football for about four or five months. At least we have the NFL draft. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah, this is going to start the show. I think it's going to be kind of a short one today. Oh, God, no more football. Jesus, help me, Jesus. Ah, look, NFL historians and lovers of sports history, welcome in. This show is for you, not for you know-it-alls. Poof, be gone. Find another show, turn the channel, or just, you know, find another podcast to listen to. This show is for those who don't know as much about NFL history. So we are here to what? Enlighten, teach, and learn. Everyone, ever learning. It's the Behind the Mic Podcast. I am your host, Michael Neal Jr. And this show is presented by Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. BellyUpSports.com. Check out not only the great shows, the content creators of these shows, as well as the writers. The writers are really good, too. And you can catch these shows as well as mine, especially mine. You listen to mine. Spreaker, which is our home base for all things Belly Up. Spreaker, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcast, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. And, of course, for those shows that are on YouTube, I will be one of these days. I promise, I promise, I promise. I keep getting these messages. Hey, sub for sub. I can't do it yet. I'm not on YouTube yet. I'm kind of in, you know, I might have to just get creative because I'm still going to be in this apartment for a while. Me and my wife, my family. But anyway, you catch this show on all those uh, podcast uh, platforms, except for YouTube. We're not there yet. You'll get to see my ugly face one of these days. Again, no football. My God. Well, you know what? All right, let's get to the football, the Super Bowl rundown. Once again, we have a game that was decided in the final minute. That should be no surprise to anyone. Not at all. It happened all season long. It happened throughout the playoffs. But every playoff game was decided at the end, right? Uh, Late touchdowns, late field goals, and things like that. Super Bowl 56 was no exception. Uh, certified, a bona fide home game for the LA Rams. They won it in their house at SoFi Stadium uh, this past Sunday. But look, over 112 million people, they got to see the Rams win it. They got their second Lombardi trophy. Congrats to them. And congrats to the Bengals. They hung in the game. But 
let's be real. There's <laughs> a possibility that one flag that was never thrown actually made the game more interesting in the end, uh, as, uh, as well as a missed extra point. Yes, I'm talking about the T. Higgins face mask on Jalen Ramsey uh, on his way to a touchdown catch, but touch, take that touchdown away and who knows. But it is what it is at this point. I hated that OBJ hurt his knee. I, he did score pretty much the deciding touchdown there at the beginning. And I think he would have cut up as well had he played that entire game. The Rams found a way. Sean McVay and his offense, they stalled a little bit during this game. Uh, actually, they stalled a, a lot. You know, we had plenty of punting by both teams. And even Jamar Chase, I mean, he caught a couple passes. And Joe Burrow, he was efficient. Uh, but, I mean, that offensive line, they, they, they still stink. They, they still stink. As a matter of fact, I saw a tweet by offensive lineman for the Bengals, Quentin Spain. And after they beat the Chiefs, just like Eli Apple, and yeah, you desire, you deserve to get torched on Twitter as well as on the field, by the way, uh, when you open your mouth. And Mr. Undefeated, as he as Quentin uh, Spain's handle, uh, he said, what about the old line now? Yeah, I'll wait. Okay. And I just simply tweeted to him, innocently, good luck. Of course, he, he didn't respond to me. I ain't nobody yet. You know, I... I'm 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 just a, I'm just a fan. I'm just a fan. I'm no I'm not nobody. Uh, but I just tweeted him good luck, and in that picture was the entire Rams defensive line, you know, along with Aaron Donald. So they didn't do a terrible job um, <laughs> on Donald, but they gave up seven sacks. And uh, yeah, he he put another tweet out and said. What, what was it? Because uh, I told him, look, fix that line, and you guys are almost unstoppable. And the, the tweet was basically, y'all was waiting for me to mess up. Yeah, you're right. When you put something out there publicly, the people are going to torch you. And you know that going in, so I don't. hopefully he's not getting mad. But I put a side-by-side a, a -side picture of, yeah, good luck. And then uh, the other side was they gave up seven sacks for 43 yards. And the last play of the game, you know, told you all you need to know. Because as a matter of fact, it was Spain that was trying to come over to block Aaron Donald on that last play. But anyway, anyway. So, uh, I mean, like I said, I'm proud of Aaron Donald, by the way. I hope he doesn't retire, as speculated. But, and I'm, I'm happy that OBJ got his ring. I'm most happy for Matthew Stafford. And I'm sure there's some jerk out there that can't stand him because of his Lions days, but he's probably a Detroit Lions fan, and all I can tell him is, look, blame your franchise. They stink. Fix it. You know, get fix it. If you're upset, you know, fix it. And as far as the game is concerned, it was a good watch, but the halftime show, as well as the second half of the game, that's what made the Super Bowl this year. Dr. Dre at halftime, and Snoop, Mary J. Blige, boy, she was wearing them boots. I passed out, and I woke up, I passed out again, and then I saw she passed out, and I passed out right along with it. <laughs> but uh, how about 50 Cent, though? He coming in, hanging upside down. I had no idea that was him. And then he got down. I, I still can't, I can't understand if he, well, I'm trying to trying to make up my mind. Because he's in shape. He's not fat, is he? I mean, his arms is like a lot bigger than we're used to, right? I, I don't know. I, I'm not talking about the man, but I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. I'm trying to figure out the circumference of his pythons. But 
look, the guy, they, they, they did it. I mean, had no idea it was him. Um, Eminem coming in, Kendrick Lamar, Anderson Pack on the drums. Impressive halftime show. Best halftime show this side of uh, the one that Prince was in. You know, I mean, that was a halftime show. That holds your attention from start to finish. Now, on the other side, flip the coin. Bing. If the Rams had lost this game, this was kind of what I was prepared to say, that the Rams had it all in their favor. Load your team up with stars. You have a home game in SoFi, and you got Dr. Dre and Snoop doing the halftime show. Totally California bent, you know, bent towards California. And then uh, it's attended by literally every star on the planet. Who wasn't there? Unless, you know, they just didn't want to come out. Cincinnati on the other time, on the other hand, rather, the, other than the fans that actually showed up, they had Chris Collinsworth up in the booth calling the game, who used to play for Cincinnati and his son Jack on the NBC broadcasting team. And I believe Jack was the only one that was really rooting for them. The hometown team sounds just like his dad. But yeah, I mean, everything was in the Rams' favor. And like I said, I was very, I was still impressed with the way Cincinnati played. They should have kept running the football, though. Run the football. You know, run the football. <laughs> but funny thing is, I was also texting with my best friend, uh, my brother. He asked me if Cincinnati had been even called for a penalty yet. I couldn't even think of one. I think they had, what, two or, or one, you know, before that, that last uh, drive. I don't know if I'm totally correct, but it happened with a minute and 44 uh, minutes left. Uh, a minute and 44 left in the game. Four penalties in a row, by the way. Three by the Bengals. And the umpteenth first and goal, Stafford finally hits Cooper Cup for a touchdown. His second of the game, MVP, yep, eight catches, 92 yards, two touchdowns. And he caught four of those balls for 39 on that final drive. And that included a reverse. He ran seven yards for a fourth down, a critical fourth down, and picked that yard up and then some kept that 15-play, 79-yard drive. He ate up four minutes, almost five minutes of, of the last of the game. Joe Burrow got his turn. Then fourth and one came up. Aaron Donald, who was blocked for most of the game, he got to Burrow just in time. And I heard a guy today talking about, oh, was he offsides? I mean, he was offsides. They had a line. and I, Look, I mean, y'all only notice that when you're rooting for the other team. So, yeah, away with you. <laughs> away with you. And now I'm hearing and reading not only that Donald could possibly retire, but there are questions of whether whether or not the Rams coach, head coach Sean McVay, was going to leave the Rams and go to broadcasting. I mean, that pressure was on him. I mean, but it's a different kind of pressure these days. What, five years in? He's been to two Super Bowls now. He's got him one. So <laughs> he's winning over, what, 62% of his games at this point? He's a good coach. He's a good coach. He's smart. He's got a great team. Um, and then, of course, there's Odell Beckham Jr., who may have torn his ACL for the second time in just over a year. Could he walk away too? I don't know. I believe all this stuff, if or when, it actually happens. But for now, the Rams are Super Bowl champs. Congrats. As a Steelers fan, I couldn't be happier. Great job, Rams. I mean, good season. Cincinnati, <clears throat> but good job, Rams. All right, coming up next, as a fan, what are the chances that you would ever 
be able to take a shower with your favorite team after a Super Bowl victory and not get caught. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. One reason why anybody would watch the Super Bowl outside of football, because you have my wife and my sisters. I mean, they'll watch with me and eat, but they're not really paying attention to the game. But then you have those who probably wouldn't ever turn it on if there wasn't some kind of interest in it. And, of course, the only other time, only reason why you would watch the Super Bowl is the halftime show and for the commercials. That's it. And it's a really good time. You you fix your food and and you watch the game, yeah. And but you really want to be entertained, and I'm entertained by all three. But uh, thank you, Mary J. Blige, for those boots, by the way. But uh, I just a couple of those commercials, man. I I really really love uh, the Squarespace commercial. Uh, got thrown off at the end. I, I mean, I like the way that they put that together with Zendaya. Uh, Andre 3000 at the end that 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 got me the BMW commercial uh, Zeus and Hera that was Arnold Schwarzenegger and Salma Hayek that was great and I want one of those I can't afford it at all but I want one of those uh, how about the E-Trade baby having to jump to the chopper to land his retirement that was great him standing there and I thought it was it was kind of if you ever seen the movie Shooter uh, with the you know, Mark Wahlberg, you know, he's he's retired, you know, marksman or whatnot, and they're coming to, to, to get him. I love the way he stood there with his sippy cup and his lumberjack shirt leaning up against the wood like that. That was that was really cool. Uh keeping up with the Joneses commercial, that Toyota commercial with Rashida Jones, you know, Quincy Jones's daughter, Leslie Jones, Tommy Lee Jones, and then Nick Jonas comes in at the end. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, it was entertaining. It was entertaining. Um I kind of missed the front part of it, but the one with Anna Kendrick, I guess it was something to do with Rocket Mortgage and the Barbie Dream House. I'm I'm still fixing some food at that point as well, and I hear hear my wife go, "I have one of those <laughs> Barbie Dream House or Barbie dolls or whatever it was that she had." Uh, the Frito Lay's commercial with Paul Rudd and Seth Rogen. He marries the ghost at the end. That was a hilarious one. Uh, the Alexa commercial. I have one of those and. I'm just glad it doesn't read minds. Uh, <laughs> the one with Scarlett Johansson and Colin Jost. That that was that that right there. That that was I think that was probably my favorite. I think that might have been my favorite, other than the one with Doctor Evil. I think that was a GM commercial or whatnot, and they brought Frau and Number Two and Scott 
<laughs> that was that was a really good one too. Um, I did like the one the NFL commercial where you had all the video game players, you know, the the NFL players that jump out of the screen and they they tear up the kids' house. That one was great as well. And then ah, the Larry David the FTX commercial with the you know about crypto and he's he's like, eh, I don't think so. It it never worked. <laughs> Here's a fork. I have four forks right here. Five forks right here. A toilet. We just go. We go outside. That was great. I love that. I love that. Anyway, all right. It's time for the papers. So you know, I, I thought that this episode would be pretty good. You know, just to tell. Uh, I'm sure some of you guys are are very familiar with these stories. Um, but I'm doing, I'm gonna tell them anyway. This, like I said, this for those is entertainment purposes only. Uh, for those who don't know these, I mean, it's 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 great. And those who already know, just kind of wake up your memory a little bit. So we're going to travel backwards in time. We're going to start at the top with the with the ones that's a, the, the one that's the, the closest to now. And we're going to go all the way back to the 60s. Uh, we're going to start with Super Bowl 51, January 5th, 2017. You know and I know where we were. I remember I was at my brother David's house in Hendersonville. Well, not Hendersonville. Um, he's just outside of Goodlessville, around Ridge Top area. And uh, it, we watching the – he's a Falcons fan. And so every time the Falcons scored a touchdown that night, he's running around the house with his Falcons flag, and we're all yelling, hoist the colors. And they're up 28-3. Yeah, that game. That game, when Brady brought them all the way back, tied the football game, and won it in overtime, 34-28. to Sorry, Falcons fans. Sorry, David, if you happen to be listening. Uh, but after the game, of course, <clears throat> they go to the locker room, like, you know, <laughs> all sports teams do. And Brady has his, he has, puts his game-worn jersey in his bag. He says it. I had my jersey in my bag. When I came back, it was gone. This jersey, later on, we will find out is estimated to be have been worth 500 G's, $500,000, all right? There was a big investigation. Where's Brady's Super Bowl 51 jersey? Because he just won his record fifth Super Bowl with this uh, in this jersey, and it's game-worn, and nobody knows where it is. Well, NFL security gets on it. And then, I think it's what, six weeks later, the FBI gets involved as well because it was found on, quote, foreign soil. Yes, Mexico. It was found in Mexico. Who took it? All right, well, let's go to a guy by the name of Martin Mauricio Ortega, who was formerly of, I think it's like a newspaper. Uh, hopefully, I say this right. Uh, Diario La Prensa. So he had obtained a media pass through this. <laughs> he's supposed to be a media guy, and he obtained this media pass uh, through that newspaper, through that that company that he used to work for, that media uh, outlet that he used to work for. And there is there was video, and it still is. You can go back and watch it now, seeing him going in the locker room without it and coming out with it. <laughs> so yeah, that that's that's uh. That's pretty bad. Um, but how did we find this out? Well, enter 19-year-old memorabilia collector Dylan Wagner, who lives in Washington State, I believe it is. 
and he buys and collects uh, memorabilia. And apparently, Ortega, who had sold him some things before, had showed him some 30 photos of his collection. Wagner, who obviously is a football fan, knows that they're looking for this jersey. And, but he notices that Ortega has Brady's Super Bowl 49 jersey. He asks Ortega, this is via phone, you know, he's, uh, apparently he's going back and forth on the phone. And, I, and uh, I don't know if they're talking or from the story that I read, I don't know if they're speaking or if they're texting. Probably speaking because I'm sure there's a lot of money that's involved. And I'm trying to figure out 19 years old and a $500,000 uh, level jersey. That's a lot of cabbage. But anyway, he's like, where did you get that? And he's like, I'll tell you later. Well, knowing that this jersey is being looked, looked for and sought after by literally everybody on the planet who knows what's going on, he notifies the authorities. So they go in. Apparently, they raid the man's house in March, and they find not only Brady's you know, jerseys, but they find some other stuff as well. But... They got the Brady jersey back to the Patriots and to Tom Brady, and the reward came from the Patriots and owner Robert Kraft. What did he get? A signed football from Brady, as well as a jersey signed, and a pair of Robert Kraft's new Air Force Ones. And then they sweetened the pot even more. Two tickets to the Pats season opener that, that following year. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty good. But going back to Ortega's house when they raided it, not only did they find Brady's jerseys, but apparently Von Miller's Super Bowl 50 cleats and jersey was in there as well. Uh, that's, my man, talk about 10 sticky fingers, man. This dude just, he had no limits. None. <laughs> no limits. All right, so we working our way backwards, right? So, Super Bowl 47. Mercedes-Benz Superdome, the Harbaugh Bowl, or the Harbaugh. <laughs> Jim and John Harbaugh have brought both the Ravens, the Baltimore Ravens, and the San Francisco 49ers to the Super Bowl. Supposed to be a great game, right? Ah, not so much at the beginning. Baltimore had a 28-6 lead on San Francisco going into halftime. Just after halftime, one minute and 38 seconds to be exact, the power went out. I still remember uh, being at one of my brother's house houses, and and we're watching the game at his house, and I'm like, oh God, is that supposed to happen? No, I'm like, because the halftime show just happened, uh, and I mean, there's no lights for 34 minutes. 34 minutes they were out, and the explanation afterwards, I think it was whatever the space of time was afterwards. There was a failed, we'll just call it a relay, that was actually meant to protect the power supply. If it got too high, it's supposed to brought it back down or something like that. But basically, it, it was uh, apparently it was over, uh, it was over its limit. No power, no power for 34 minutes, and went away with that. That the power, so did the Baltimore Ravens' momentum. Jacoby Jones, I believe, had returned a kickoff for a touchdown, uh, you know, for that 28th point. But look, second half, what did that helped? 
the 49ers greatly. They outscored Baltimore 25 to 6 in the second half. Colin Kaepernick had his probably one of his best games, and it was in the Super Bowl against T Sizzle, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, and what proved to be the final game for Ray Lewis and that Baltimore defense. He threw for 160 yards and 46 rushing yards. And he had, what, uh, two touchdowns himself, was responsible for two touchdowns himself in the second half. So they did their job, but they came up short. I think he, he went incomplete uh, uh, four out of his last five passes, them trying to get into the end zone. It's hard, y'all. But Ravens, they won it. They held on despite the blackout. And, of course, you're going to have the, comp- the conspiracy theorists that came out of the woodwork they wanted the game to be closer. You know, you're ruining the product. I don't know if people would go to those lengths to do that. We've had terrible Super Bowls before. We've had them where you have the, the 49ers who still hold the record in Louisiana in that same stadium for the record number of points scored, 55 to 10. A lot of people called that one the worst Super Bowl ever because it was not. It was so one-sided. And then I personally think because and not just because I used to be a 49ers fan but the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Patriots the last one that Tom Brady won we talked about it last week 13 to 3 13 to 3 and it's the Super Bowl to me to me that was the worst one ever one touchdown in the whole game now that that just that just did not uh, I'm sorry I'm not a conspiracy guy and speaking of conspiracies I had a guy try to tell me the same thing about this year's game. And I said, look, you're talking to the wrong one. I'm not that conspiracy guy. I'm not, not, not in that fashion. No, 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 no. All right, so let's move on. Number three. Number three. So we have talked about the Atlanta Falcons before. Um, we talked about Dan Reeves. And we talked about that year in 1998 when they upset the Minnesota Vikings, who were the Super Bowl favorite. Talked about that. But what we didn't talk about was their star safety, Eugene Robinson. Yes, y'all know. For those who know, you know. So, Eugene. (laughs) Eugene was a really great guy. Um, Very productive safety with the Seahawks. And ended up with the Falcons a little bit later on. And I think even uh, he ended up retiring with the Carolina Panthers. But this team was, you know, it was comprised of a really good defense. And he was one of the key cogs in it. Well, the Broncos, uh, look, we talked about how the Falcons got blew out in that Super Bowl. Super Bowl 33 to be exact in Miami. Dan Reeves going against his old team in the Broncos, and then Mike Shanahan, who was fired by Reeves, as well as John Elway, who him and Reeves, they clashed or whatnot. We've talked about that, but we've also have talked about how they've they made amends, especially before Reeves passed away. But that was that was the interesting part of the game. But could not ignore the thorn in the side of the Super Bowl that was Eugene Robinson the night before. Okay, because some say that what happened that was part of the the big factor of why the defense didn't play well. Um, Okay, Eugene Robinson was arrested the night before for soliciting a prostitute. Uh, It was a sting. 
There was a sting. He got stung. He was soliciting, and they 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 racked him up, put him in the slammer. And he didn't get out to the next morning. And obviously, there were effects. I don't think he slept very well uh, on that bench or whatever they had him in. So it was not a nice night for Eugene Robinson because the next day in that 34-19 blowout, I mean, he gave up an 80-yard touchdown. That was the, the, the one highlight that everybody remembers about that game. Rod Smith caught an 80-yard touchdown and ran right by the man. Uh, he also missed a, a big tackle on Terrell Davis that, that uh, you know, got the Broncos deep into the Falcons' territory in that game. So the dude had no sleep. He just got out of jail that morning. And, I mean, what are you going to do? <laughs> There's not a whole lot you can do, is it? No, it's not. It's not. All right, number four. Okay. Who was the NFL MVP in 1991? Anybody know? Raise hands, hands. Kenny Johnson, you know who the MVP in 1991? Yeah, I'm talking <laughs> to one of my buddies through through the podcast. Yes, Thurman Thomas, running back for the Buffalo Bills. He had over 2,000. Well, he actually had to the, to the digit, 2,038 yards from scrimmage, 12 touchdowns. He was the MVP going away. They had the second best record in the league behind the Washington football team. I'm not saying commanders right now. I just I just can't do it. I, I cannot do it right now. But the Washington football team, they came in at 14 and 2. The Bills were 13 and 3. And Washington was a seven-point favorite in Super Bowl 26. And well, I mean, Thurman missed the first two plays of the game. Why? He couldn't find his helmet. Well, apparently, he has this ritual or had. The Hall of Fame running back had a ritual of placing his helmet as ugly as it was with that single bar going down the middle. Didn't affect his play at all. But he would put it at the 34-yard line. Well, quiet is kept from the stories that I've been reading. Somebody got it. Uh, We don't know who. Still don't know who. The national anthem happened right before the coin toss. And Thomas was one of the ones that I think he went out there for the coin toss. But the national anthem, Harry Connick Jr. went up the scene and somebody moved it out of the way, supposedly. Well, fast forward to 2011, the equipment manager at the time, a man by the name of Dave Hanowski, said that a teammate picked it up thinking that it was his. And there were a couple of Bills that were on that squad that had the same helmet. He said somebody picked it up, realized it wasn't theirs, set it down on the bench, and then went to go find their helmet. And Thurman missed the first two plays of the game. Didn't come into the third play. Well, I mean, was that a big difference? I don't think so, and neither does Thurman Thomas. But the result, yeah, he had 10 carries, 13 yards. He scored a touchdown, yeah. He caught four passes, had like 27 yards, yeah. It's all in desperation. They got their brakes beat off of him. Final score was 37 to 24 Washington. Joe Gibbs and Mark Rippon, uh, they did their thing. Uh, Thurman Thomas couldn't find his helmet. That was a bad omen. This was the year that they were supposed to – they went to four in a row, so they just lost the year before off of a missed field goal. So they're back again, and he can't find his helmet. Didn't end very well. You know, so, I mean, go figure. Of course, the next two years – 
would prove to be worse. <laughs> anyway, all right. And now number five. These were interesting to me. These were very interesting to me. So, you know, should I take a break? Nah, why not? Why not? It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of glad I took that break because I actually left my final story, even though I could have done it from memory anyway. It's just notes. But I could have done it from memory anyway. I found it. It's the most flimsy piece of paper. It's not even making a lot of noise. I'll be carrying around in my pocket, writing stuff down as I thought of it. But anyway, uh, this is really, really interesting. Um, all right, so 1979, you do have the the Steelers and the Cowboys who are actually meeting for the second time in the Super Bowl in what uh, four years. Um, I guess you could say five. No, four years. Four years. So they met in Super Bowl ten, um, in Miami, and then they back in Miami again a couple of years later. Uh, the '78 teams they meet and it ends in. I mean, the score was closer than it, the game actually was. The Steelers won the game, thirty-four to thirty-one. All right, no, no problem. I mean, 35-31, Pittsburgh. And uh, like I said, that rematch, you know, went, Lin Swan won MVP that first game. He could have won MVP again, but the first time ever that Terry Bradshaw would throw for 300 yards in a game, keep in mind, 1978, those five-yard five chuck rule, that was in, installed that year, and then it opened up the passing game. First time ever he threw for 300 yards in a game in 1979 in that Super Bowl. So uh, the game went went the Steelers' way. So, But the story, uh, it actually comes from the NFL film's great Steve Sable. And according to him, in the post game, there was a fan some kind of way got into the locker room. How do you get past security? How do you get walk past the coaching staff? How do you walk past some of the players? And nobody knows who this dude is. I, I'm I'm still trying. I'm still baffled about that. And just basically, there's a fan that got he he went in there, took a shower, you know, with Joe Green and 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 <laughs> name that still. I mean, he's standing he's standing next to Joe Green. Washing himself. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, it's, it's just blowing my mind. How did you get there? How did you get there? And according to Sable, because uh, he said that he, you know, was going, he wanted to be one of the first ones to get in there for the celebration. Um, for, you know, he, him and the cameraman went in there. And he sees this one guy that just sticks out like a sore thumb. He doesn't have a media credential on, 
But maybe they thought he was a media guy. I don't know. Maybe they thought he was one of the kickers or something like that. Roy Jarello. Well, I think Roy might have been gone by then. Uh, but anyway, that, I mean, they, th- there was no... He, he described him as... Forgive me, but this is how he described him. A pasty, white, little bald guy. That's it. <laughs> a pasty, white, little bald guy. Got into the locker room. I didn't know about this story until I started looking this stuff up two weeks ago. Started doing my research and you know and everything, um, trying to tighten things up. And I came across this one, and I'm like, oh my god, how do you do that? <laughs> I know one fan that wouldn't mind showering with the uh, with the Rams because he's he's that big of a, a a Rams fan. My brother from another and and uh, full sale graduate Joe Branham. Ram showcase, yeah, I, he was there, uh, but I he didn't get to go take a shower with him. <laughs> anyway, uh, the guy goes and takes a shower, uh, and he's even in uh, Larry Brown's locker. Larry Brown, a 6'4, 260 pound offensive lineman, and he well, he didn't play, so he wasn't in his locker. And I mean, he even got to the point where I mean, he's in there getting dressed and there's some media that come to this guy and start asking him questions and eventually that i think they figured out that he was not a part of the team and even sable asked joe green who he was and joe green says and i believe i'm quoting him by saying i don't know who he is <laughs> and the guy he and he just left he came in he showered with the team the media stuck microphones in his pl- in his face. He's in a locker, and you know after the, afterwards, he gets on up out of there. I don't think anybody will ever believe that guy. Nobody will. If he's told that story, nobody will believe would have believed him. Nobody knows this guy's name or anything. I really would love to know who that man was. I'm gonna keep looking for this guy. I really am. Uh, but there's another story which. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not surprising, but at the same time, I mean, it is what it is because I, you know, athletes have done the same or maybe even worse. It's, it's not nothing that's, uh, unfortunately, it's not something that's necessarily new. Thomas Hollywood Henderson, who, who you know, if you already watched the pregame, you would know this as well. I, I, I'm not putting any flowers or accolades on me. It's just something I read about when I was a kid. Uh, in, in one of my Super Bowl books, but you know he's like, yeah, uh, Bradshaw's dumb and he couldn't spell cat. You spotted him the C and the T, and of course Bradshaw, after winning the MVP, asked Hollywood if he could spell that. <laughs> I can spell MVP. Can you? So, but uh, that wasn't all. Um, Hollywood Henderson, apparently, and this is according to from ESPN's Outside the Lines. Holly, Thomas Hollywood Henderson, linebacker for the Dallas Cowboys. Really good athlete, but he was a druggie. The man couldn't stay off that stuff. Uh, he was one, one of some athletes out there. I mean, they, they've done it for years. Nothing new under the sun. But from the outside, ESPN's outside the lines, and I quote, on the day of the Super Bowl, he emptied a bottle of nasal spray, filled it with a vicious mixture of cocaine and water and slipped it into his pocket, into the pocket of his uniform pants, just in case he thought, you know, <laughs> he indulged before the game, 
Then again in the third quarter, he faced uh, forced a Bradshaw fumble that led to a touchdown that night and uh, generally backed up his chatter. You know, he was a mouth. You know, just imagine, uh, I don't know, Jalen Ramsey or, or uh, for that matter, uh, Richard Sherman, somebody like that. They're going to talk, and, but they're also, you know, snorting some stuff. And that was his problem, he, cocaine. I mean, 15 months, uh, this is after the game. I mean, he was kicked off a team. He was waived by another. He was released by a third. And Bill Walsh actually traded a draft pick to bring him in to San Francisco, and it lasted one game. He knew the dude w- was on some stuff, but he only lasted a game. Now, thank God he got cleaned up. I think he passed away. I think he's passed uh, now. But, uh, but as far as I know, the guy was, you know, according – to him, he was clean. I may have him confused with somebody else. But for me, this is the number one story. You know, th- this one was one of my favorites. One of my favorites. Okay. We're going all the way back to Super Bowl one. Packers and Chiefs, otherwise known as at the time the first professional football AFL NFL championship. All right. So inner Max McGee. Max McGee uh actually was a pretty good wide receiver for the uh the green bay packers i mean the guy was a thousand yard receiver and all of that stuff but he was like 11 12 years in because he was he came in in the early 50s uh, you're talking about late 60s now and both him as well as par horny who was in the hall pro football hall of fame they like to go out together okay you know when they were supposed to be in bed, you know, because they had bed checking, curfew, you know, stuff like that. But um, they like to go out, you know, they got with the women and they went out drinking. They went out and they did whatever it is that they wanted to do. Um, so, of course, there's a lot of pressure from the NFL on Vince Lombardi to make sure that they are not embarrassed by the AFL, that they don't lose to the AFL because it's supposed to be the upstart league and we're better than them, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, yeah, the Packers won the first two. And, you know, if you know the history, the AFL would win the next two before uh, the, uh, the teams, I mean the teams, the leagues merged to form the one big NFL that we know today. Well, Lombardi wanted everybody to be laser-focused. So he said, basically... If you miss curfew, if you screw up in any way, I'll make sure that you are never in this, that you never play in this league again. That's basically what he put out there for his players. Well, <laughs> Max McGee and Paul Horning, they was like, yeah, we're probably not going to play anyway. We're going out. Well, it, there was curfew, and I, I don't remember what time it was. All I know is a former Packer by the name of Dave Hayner. He played 13 years with Green Bay on the defensive line. He retired after 65 uh, preseason uh, and ended up being, becoming uh, a defensive line coach for Lombardi. He's the one who did the bed check. So he comes to their room uh, and sees McGee, and McGee asks him, hey, you coming back later? Because he had to do the second round, you know, to make sure that everybody's in their rooms and in the bed, uh, or at least in their rooms. And he's like, yeah, I'm coming back. He closes the door. He actually comes back. He opens the door back up. He's like, you know what? Nah, I'm not. I'm not going back to your room. Because he knew he was leaving. He knew he was going to be gone. So he went out all night, did his thing. Him and Paul, uh, McGee went out. 
well, I'm not saying Paul Horning did, but McGee did go out. Okay, that's confirmed. Well, about somewhere between, I'm getting two different times uh, from two different sources. I'll just say that sometime between the hours of 6.30 a.m. and 7.30 a.m., Bart Starr, starting quarterback, is going down to get the morning paper when he sees Max McGee come in. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you just... You just got here? So, you know, you've been out all night. And you, know, and you knew it. Uh, so, the game happens, right? Super Bowl one. Max McGee, he doesn't even have his helmet. He's chilling on the sidelines or on the bench, you know, in that area. Well, the starting, one of the starting wide receivers, there was two of them uh, that were the guys. They were the guys. It was Carol Dell and Boyd Dollar. Boyd Dollar was, was uh, on a block, injures his shoulder. And then Lombardi yells for McGee, McGee, get in there. And he's like, oh, I got to go in? And he's got to hang over. My man is, he came in drunk, okay? He was drunk, he had a hangover. He got. He went out, got drunk, he had a hangover. He had to go into the game and the dude should have been the MVP. The first pass that Barstar threw to him, was behind him. He, he he did kind of a slick Odell Beckham. He was trying to break up an interception. And one hands the ball and scores the first of two touchdowns. He finishes the game with seven catches, 138 yards in those two touchdowns. If it wasn't for Barstar having the game that he did, you could have, you could, and there are those on the team that confirm that, even though Vince Lombardi said, well, anybody could have done that. Wow. <laughs> Talk about keeping you low, trying to keep you humble. I mean, dude had 138 yards with a hangover. I'm pretty sure there are better stories out there. I don't know them yet. You can tweet them to me at behind the mic, <laughs> or uh, even if you find find me on Instagram, whether you go to Stat Boy Seven or behind the mic, send them to me. I want to know. Call me, text me, email me. <laughs> Whatever you got, whatever you got to do. Michael Neal Jr. 23 at gmail.com. I want the stories. I love stories, you know, whether they're your own or they come from professional football. Um, and one day I'm going to bring on a guy who's got some great stories. I've already, I've heard some real good, good, good stories just, you know, by themselves. Um, yeah. So, but, but he did it on with a hangover. That That's... That's just something that uh, you don't necessarily see every day. But that's what it is. I love stories. I love stories. All right. That's it. Let's wrap this thing up. It went longer than I thought that it was going to be. So references. Let's get to them. Thanks to the Sporting News. Uh, article by Jordan Heck. The strangest moments and stories in Super Bowl history. The LA Times. Wild Super Bowl stories from Steve Sable. Sports Skeeter, the website, this one by Hassan D. Green. Why Falcons safety, Eugene Robinson, was arrested before Super Bowl 33. Yardbarker.com, article by Chris Mueller, dated February 5th, 2021. The strangest fact or story from every Super Bowl. Bleacher Report, Adam Wells, his story, Tom Brady's missing Super Bowl 51 jersey, located by FBI NFL Security. CBSSports.com, team who found Tom Brady's stolen jersey gets awesome reward from Patriots. 
dated September 7th, 2017 by John Breach. Also, fanbuzz.com, Hall of Fame, profootballhalloffame.com, and profootballreference.com, and also ESPN.com. This has been the Behind the Mic Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Neal Jr., uh, presented by Billy of Sports, Billy of Sports Podcast Network. That's what we're a part of, BillyUpSports.com. Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube. You can find my show on those Audible, <laughs> those listening apps. Uh, and then other shows, you can also find them, not only those Audible apps, um, but also on YouTube. Tell all your friends and family about this show. You better be listening to it or I will find your house. Out. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.